we are alive. I love that song at the mention of his name. Hmm. And his name is Jesus. Every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord. Hmm. It's not optional. It's not if someone is saying, I might know. God said at the mention of his name, every, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Amen. Well, this morning, we'd like to say good morning to everyone. Good morning to our online community and those that are present in the house. And it's interesting that we dealt with praise songs this morning because God has a question for us. We're going to invite your attention to the book of 1 Samuel. It's where we're going to begin the first part of our text in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 27. The question we need to ask this hour is, can you still praise him? Can you still praise him? Heavenly Father, we pray now in the name of Jesus that you would allow your word to drop within our spirit, Lord God, and let nothing fall to the ground. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you just open every ear. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we be honest with ourselves and uh, ask ourselves a question. Can we still praise you, Lord, in the midst of losses? We thank you for it right now. Have your way, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. <clears throat> the original part for we were going to start what would have been in, in 1 Samuel's chapter number 30, but we had to go back to get an understanding how circumstances and situations took place because we're going to deal with David and we're going to deal with the place called Ziklag. But before we can go to that place called Ziklag, and Ziklag means a place of distress, we have to determine how we get into a place of distress. So this is how we find the answer. It's in 1 Samuel's chapter number 27. So before we find ourselves in a place of distress, there are things that happen along the way. And then when we get there, we'll understand how we got there. But we have to remember there is hope at the end. There's hope at the end of the text. So in 1 Samuel chapter number 27, and we're going to begin at verse number 1. We're going to begin at verse number 1. Can you still praise him? Hmm. Can you still praise him in the midst of your losses? As we go through this text, I, uh, I was asking the Holy Spirit, and he kept pulling on my spirit, you know, this morning he was talking, and I'm like, okay, God, what are you saying? And God said, we will enter into a season of loss. We will enter into a season of loss, but there is hope. But we got to understand how we ended, at, ended up at that place of loss before we can get excited about the next move of God. Amen. Now, chapter number 27, and beginning at verse number 1, it says, And David said, watch this, And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. Saul is his enemy. He says, There is nothing better for me than that 
should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. Now, what we discover, and when we began to unpack verse number 1 in 1 Samuel chapter number 27, David here takes his fate in his own hands. And the reason why he takes his fate in his own hand, he is afraid of his number one enemy. So he makes a decision apart from God. He makes a decision. How many of us make decisions apart from God? How many of us take our own fate in our own hands? So first thing he recognizes, he says, now listen, if I hang around here, what's going to happen is Saul is going to take me out. So what he decided to do, he decided to take matters in his own hand. And his, the Bible says he escaped to the land of the Philistines. Now, you got to understand now, the Philistines are the enemies of God. The, the Philistines or the Philistines are foreign forces to the spirit. <clears throat> but he chose to find refuge in the enemy's camp, a camp of where there's wandering. Philistines also means to wander, uh, to mean strangers. So he decides to, to go from one enemy, and then he decides to go to an, another enemy because he's trying to escape. You know how you try to escape one situation, and then you decide, well, I'm going to go this way, and you end up messed up in that way too? It's still in the enemy's hand. See, anything that we do apart from God, apart from the directions and the instructions of God, we will find ourselves in a place called zigzag, a place of distress. Amen? Now, let's look at now verse number 2 in 1 Samuel chapter number 27. We want to build on this because we get to understand how we ended up in a place of distress. Now, verse number two says, And David arose, and he passed over with the 600 men that were with him unto Achish, the son of the builder of Mark, king of Gath. Now, what does all these names mean? Now, Achish means a serpent charmer. Now, we talked about the king of Gath. These are giants. And giants, the giants that we have in our life, they are oppressors. So anytime you've got a giant in your life, anytime you have an obstacle in your life, it will oppress you. So he, he rises up. He takes people with him. Anytime you go someplace and you have gone in the wrong direction, you're not, do you not know that whomever you're taking with them, you're putting them in harm's way? You will put them in harm's way. Now, dropping down now to verse number 4, and we're trying to build on this. Verse number 4 says, And it was told Saul that David was fled to Gath, and he sought no more again for him. Now, the name Gath there means winepress, or it also means a place of crushing. It is also the birthplace of giants. 
So he goes there running from one enemy thinking that he is going to be safe now in the enemy's hand. He's thinking he's going to be safe. All right. Now let's read verse number five. Verse number five says, And David said unto Achish, which is the, the birthing place of the giants, he says, If I have now found grace in thine eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country, that I may dwell there. For why should thy servant dwell in the royal cities with this? Now, reading verse number six, that word achis also, besides serpent charmer, it has another dual meaning. Now, it also means, what is this? What is this? Okay? So now he says in verse six, then achis, what is this, gave him Ziglag that day. And then he says, wherefore Ziglag pertaineth unto the kings of Judah until this day. Verse number 7 gives us how long he had been in this place with the enemy. Verse 7 says, in 1 Samuel chapter number 27, it says, And the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines, now this was his, his, his enemy, it says that it was a four-year and four months he leaves one enemy he goes stay and hang out in the enemy's camp the enemy gives him a place called ziglag ziglag is a place of distress why would he hang out or why would he find refuge in the enemy's camp think about it sometimes we will find refuge in the enemy's camp rather than finding refuge in god See, we've got to understand we're always safe when we're in the refuge of God. Never go down to the enemy's camp thinking you're going to be okay. You, want, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Never do you want to go down to the enemy's camp thinking you are going to find refuge in the enemy's camp. Have anybody ever hung out in the enemy's camp before? I forgot we all saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled. I, I, I forgot that. <laughs> I, I forgot we forgot that we had life where we hung out in some wrong places. Amen. And, and, and if the truth be known, thank you, sister. And if the truth be known, we still hang out some places in the enemy's camp. If the truth be known. Amen. Everybody's saying is not the same sin. But let me tell you, if you hang out in a sin where people are gossiping, you're in the enemy's camp. See, we got certain sins we want to point out. But we don't point out all that other stuff we be doing, which is still the enemy's camp. If, if you're hanging out with your buddies and if you're hanging out on the telephone and if you're gossiping, you are in the enemy's camp. Remember, I forgot we was... With these saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost, five, five baptized folk that ain't never done nothing. And they, they, they right now, they clean as a whistle. Come on. Who we been hanging out? You know, I'm so glad <laughs> that fall is about to come and then after that, the winter. Because, see, some people, 
hang out in the enemy's camp, when they see someone dressed provocative and our eyes begin to roam, we begin, that's the enemy's camp. What kind of spirit is that? The spirit of lust. Lust is an enemy to the people of God. See, y'all think the Holy Ghost is crazy, don't you? Y'all think the Holy Ghost is stupid. But the Holy Ghost, he knows. He knows all about us. Uh, oh, did you see that? They, they thought they were looking like something. Did you see what they had on? They really, that's the enemy's camp. That spirit of judging is the enemy's camp. So he spent 14 months in the enemy's camp, and while he was there, the enemy gave him a place called Ziklag, which is a place of distress. How many of you been distressed? Been going through some stuff? You got to ask yourself, well, well what, how did I get there? Well, you was hanging out in the enemy's camp. And any time that you hang out in the enemy's camp, you're going to experience losses. Anytime you hang out in the enemy's camp, you are going to experience losses. Amen? Can we get amen on that? Now, let's now, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter number 30. We won't be before you long. Amen? 1 Samuel chapter number 30. Going to chapter number 30. Because we've been hanging out in the enemy's camp, spending too much time there. And that's why we end up with losses. Can't blame losses on anybody except where we be in. Amen. This is personal. Now, First Samuel chapter number 30, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 1. Amen. First Samuel chapter number 30, it says, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag, a place of distress, on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. Okay, let's go, let's, let's unpack this. Let's go down off in the scripture and see what the Bible is saying here. He goes now, he goes, he leaves the enemy's camp where he's been hanging out. He's been hanging out, found refuge in the enemy's camp. Now, when he gets back to that place called Ziklag, he finds that they call the Amalekites. Now, the Amalekites are the consumers of nutrients. See, in other words, it wants what the, the Spirit of God has in you. It wants to take all of that out of you. So they came to the place where he was out of position. Hmm. It says he came out. He said the third day that the Amalekites, they invaded the south. Now, what does all that mean? That means that those, those, those nutrients that you have on the inside of you from God, if you allow a dry place, the south represents a drought. If you allow dry places in us, you are rest assured the Amalekites are coming to your house. They will show. If you've got a, a, a drought in you, you know, if you've got a dry place up in you, see, south means drought. It means dry. And any time we have a dry place in us where we have not been watering or feeding ourselves the Word of God, amen, then you're going to mess around and be in a drought. 
If you don't study your word, if you do not come together with the saints of God, you're going to have a drought with on the inside of you. And whenever there's a drought, you can rest assured the enemy will show up at your house and take what you got. That's what happened with David. He hung out. See, we, we got to understand where, where the enemy's camp is. Not only is it in a place of distress, but the enemy can take what appears to be a good thing and next thing you know, you are in a drought because you're not feeding your soul. <laughs> and the enemy shows up in your dry season because we, we all experience dry seasons in our life. Okay? So the, he shows up now. He, the one that, that laps up consumes the nutrients, the word of God. You know how the enemy will steal the word from you? Some people think, well, okay, I don't have to do that. I don't have to have church. I don't have to uh, read the word of God. I, I, I don't have to spend time with God. Listen, you're setting yourself up for a drought. Hmm. You're setting yourself up for a drought. Now, let's, now, let's go to verse number two. Watch what happens here. Verse number two in First Samuel chapter number 30 says this. And had taken, talking about the Amalekites now, the, the consumers of the nutrients of the word of God that's in you, Watch what they do, verse 2. And had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. Hmm. What did the enemy take? Say, so took the women. Now, let's move from the natural to the spirit. The woman represents the inner reality of your soul. The woman has come out of man. It represents the inner reality of your soul. The, the enemy wants to take what you have within your soul. Now, I'm going to show you what he's taken and what he's after, okay? When, while you're out of position, <laughs> while you're going on your journey. <laughs> and, you know, and the strangest thing, when you go back and you read the story, the enemy didn't want David in the camp. When they got ready to go to battle, they told the other gentlemen, they told him, listen, you send him back. We don't want David with us. Do you not know the enemy don't want you in that camp? You are a danger to the enemy, not so much because you got all God in you, because the enemy just don't trust you. Because the enemy knows that if you turn on, on, on your, your own, then you will turn on them as well. So the enemy tells, tells uh, uh, David he can't go with them. So then David has to leave the enemy's camp. He has to go. Now, when we get back to the scripture now, let's look at verse number three. Remember now, the woman is the inner reality of your soul. Okay? Now, verse number three in 1 Samuel chapter number 30. Verse three says, so David and his men came to the city. And behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters was taken captive. The inner reality of your soul. The sons and the daughters. Sons and daughters represent builders. That which is on the inside of you, that build the God in you, they had taken that. When they get back, they discovered that they, was, they had suffered some losses. They had taken them captives, the builders. Now, verse number four says this. 
verse number 4, in 1 Samuel chapter number 30, verse number 4 says, Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept, and they had no more power to weep. Let's go to verse number 5. And David's two wives were taken captive. Hinnam, the Zezertite, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. Now, David's two wives. What is the name of David's two wives? I see it in the natural, but what is David's wives in the spiritual? One of them represents beauty or pleasantness, and the other one represents joy. So when the enemy comes to a place wherein we've got a drought on the inside of us, okay, then the enemy is after your joy, huh, and he is after your beauty, your pleasantry. See, the enemy knows that the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if he can take your joy, that means he can take your strength. So you've got to know what he's after now. He's after your joy. He's, he is after your joy because when you don't have any strength, then you can't fight the adversary. So he says now, he said now when they get there, they discover these things was taken from him. But, but watch, watch David. Watch, watch David in, in verse number 6. Watch David. Watch David. Now, remember now, David is the beloved. The enemy now has come in. While he was out of position because he was hanging out in the enemy's camp, running from another enemy, that now they've taken that which is precious, his his beauty and his joy. Now, verse number 6 says this, And David was greatly distressed, Hmm. for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Question. Can you still praise him in the midst of your losses? That's the question. Can you still praise him in the midst of your losses. As we forestated in the beginning, we're about to enter into a season of losses. But are you still going to be able to praise God in the midst of your losses? In the midst of your losses, in the midst of the season that's coming up, are you still going to be able to praise God? Are you still going to be able to throw up your hand and shout hallelujah, thank you Jesus, in the midst of your losses? See, it's easy to praise God when you got it all going on. But what happens when trouble comes to your door? Can you still praise him? When you got trouble at your door. You see, everybody got different troubles. But can you still? That's a question the Lord said. The Lord said, Brenda, can you still praise me? 
in the midst of your losses? That's the question God wants to know from all of us. Can you still praise him in the midst of your losses? You see the test? You'll know in a little while. Because we're going to be tested. We'll be tried. See, God has to see if we're really authentic or not. <laughs> Most of us say, yeah, I'm authentic, right? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm authentic. I got it. That's how we do, right? Until the rubber meets the road. And then that's what tells the story. Can you still praise God when you're broke? Can you still praise God when you don't know where it's coming from? Can you, can, you, can you still praise God when you lose it all? Because you've got to remember something now. Be careful. David lost it all. But see, there's an answer to the end. That's an answer to the end of the story. But see, you've got to get through the lost season first. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because it's like this. We have not been tested with nothing in this area. We've not been tested with anything. Can you still praise God with the floods come and you can't, you don't have no running water, no clean running water. It comes out brown. You don't have nothing, no water to drink. You can't take a bath. Can you still praise God in the midst of your losses when there's no food? Can you still praise God? When you're not able to eat what you're accustomed to eating, can you still praise God? See, we have to be careful what we say because God will show up at your door real quick and test you. Only by the grace of God determines, only when we depend on God. I feel sorry. I really feel sorry for the people in Jackson, Mississippi. Been getting telephone calls, telephone calls, telephone calls. Is House of Destiny going to send water to Mississippi? I know we sent water to Texas and to Louisiana. I know we did. But see, we have to wait on God. Because it's easy to gather up two or three cases of water, but somebody's got to foot the bill for the freight. And when you start talking to folks about giving some money, it's a whole different ball game. But God said, can you still praise me? In the midst of your losses. Or do we? Thank you, Holy Spirit. We got to be like David. What did David do? <laughs> David encouraged the Bible, so he encouraged himself. What do you do when there's nobody there to encourage you? To cheer you on? What, 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 what do you do when it seems like you're all by yourself? You've got to learn like David did. David began to encourage himself. Because see, David had messed up, and not only had David messed up, but he messed, caused the people to mess up too. He, he had losses. Because of him, there were losses. And they was ready to stone. Don't you know folk will kill you if you mess up their stuff? Then you become the number one enemy on the hit list. When you mess up people's stuff, he messed it up. He hung out in the enemy's camp too long. 
And David said, he began to encourage himself. <laughs> See, the season coming up, you're going to have to learn to encourage yourself. Because nobody's going to be there to encourage you. Nobody's going to be there. Now, keep your place in 1 Samuel chapter number 30. But let's go now to the, to the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter number 3. Habakkuk chapter number 3. Habakkuk chapter 3. The book of Habakkuk. We're going to keep our place in 1 Samuel chapter 30. But we're going to Habakkuk chapter number 3. And looking now at verse number 17. Let's look at verse number 17. The question of the day, can you still praise him in the midst of your losses? Habakkuk chapter 3 verse number 17. It says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, The labor or the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stall. In other words, he's saying, with all this gone, are you still going to be able to praise me? The key word there is although. What if your gardens don't produce? What if the fields don't yield, (laughs) don't yield what they're supposed to be yielding? What happens if, if, thank you, Holy Spirit, what happens if we were one of those in California that we've been run out of our homes because of the fire? What if we were one of those places where the sun is to the point where even the water is drying up, the oceans, the rivers, they're drying up. If, it, if, 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 if water becomes a scarcity, and it is, and that's another thing we need to throw out, that you need to go get you some water and put it up. It's going to become a scarcity. But, but, but can you still praise him if, oh, Lord, if the grocery store closes up and you can't get there to get any food for your children, can you still praise him? If, if God don't continue, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. If he doesn't continually bless you, are you able to still praise him? If he holds back the rain, because see, with the heat the way it is, the rain is not falling from the heavens. And when the rain doesn't fall from the heavens, that means the earth is parched. It's drying up. If none of these things will produce for us, God says, will you still praise me in the midst of your losses? They ran, Jacksonville, Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi, they ran out of the ball of water that was brought to them. And somebody said, well, yeah, I can't. But you know, you ain't been there yet. You hadn't walked in those shoes yet. <laughs> but can you still praise God when you're having to walk in somebody else's shoes like they're walking in? Can you still praise God? If you got on the same shoes. Verse number 17. Verse number 18. Verse number 18. 
It gives us an answer. When e- oh, I hear you, Holy Spirit. When everything is depleted, everything is depleted. Money gone, food gone, family gone. When everything is depleted, can we deal with verse number 18? Verse 18 says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I will rejoice in the God. You know how many folk mad at God now? Angry with God. When God don't do it their way, they get upset with God. But God said, when I begin to to start subtracting, he said, I gave you a season of increase. He said, the season is coming now. It is going to be a subtraction season. But he said, can you still? Can you still rejoice? Will you still trust me? Will you still praise me? See, that, that, that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Until you walked in them shoes, you won't know. Until you, until you enter into that particular trial in your life, you won't know. See, you, in order for us to know what we have on the inside, We've got to be tested. you got to be tested. But he says now, he says, I will rejoice. If nothing produces, he said, I will, I will rejoice. I say, God is awesome. Let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter number 30. 1 Samuel, we're about to wind this up. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. We're about to wind it up. Mm-hmm. David encouraged himself hmm. because it said the people spoke about stoning him. People will kill you. They will kill you. Especially if you that messed up their goods. Caused them to lose something. Okay. Now, verse number 7 in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 7 says, And David... That's not the verse we're supposed to be on, but I'm going to read it. And David said to Abathar the priest, Amalek's son. Now, uh, you've got to understand, Abathar means the father of the remnant. The Amalek means the builder of royalty. He has to see, in this season, you've got to speak to the royalty that's in you. And you've got to know that you are part of that remnant. You've got to know that. No matter what happens with everyone else, don't even worry about that. You just know who you are in God in this season. But here's hope. Here's hope. Here's hope right here. Look at verse number 18. Verse number 8. Verse verse number 8. And then, yeah, verse number 8. It says, and David, in 1 Samuel chapter number 30, it says, and David inquired... At the Lord saying, shall I pursue after this troop or shall I overtake them? And he, meaning the Lord, he answered him and he said, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. 
See, if you're able to make it through that lost season, the word that God has for us is you're going to recover all. But the thing is, you got to do something. You know what the key word says? Pursue. You got to go out. You, the same way your enemy came after you, now you got to go after your enemy. He said pursue. All that you've lost, God said you're going to recover every bit of it. You know, not only in the spiritual, but in the natural. See, when God's when, when you begin to encourage yourself and you begin to trust God in the midst of your losses, and you and what I love about David, he went, the Bible says he went to God. He inquired from the Lord, what should I do? Now, most of us take matters in our own hand, right? God said in this season, you're going to have to learn to consult him. You have to consult God. What should I do about this situation? And if you're still long enough, God will tell you to pursue. And then he will tell you, in the midst of your losses, you're going to have it all back. He said, ye shall recover all. Now, what does he recover? Dropping down now to verse number 18 in 1 Samuel chapter number 30, which is the last verse. Because it's important to know that we've got to still praise God in the midst of our losses. Because at the end of the day, God is going to do a restoring process. Restoration is coming. But you've got to get through the season of loss. Hmm. Verse number 18, 1 Samuel chapter number 30. It says, and David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. He rescued beauty, and he rescued joy. See, the first thing you got to rescue, the first thing you got to chase after is your spiritual part in your life. You, you, you got to recover joy now. You can't stay. See, when most people in, in a state of losses, they go into that pity party. They, they hang out there. But see, you, the first thing you want back, most people want back, oh, I'm going to get my money, I'm going to get my house, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get all this material stuff. No. You want spiritual things back. You want the joy of the Lord. Because if you got the joy of the Lord, you can, you can move, baby. You can move. Because that is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Bible says now he he rescued he rescued all everything that those Amalekites the nutrients they licked up consumed he said he got that back he got all that all that see the what's that song I'd rather have Jesus some of y'all hadn't heard it I don't remember it I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. See, a lot of us want to have silver and gold without Jesus. Now, baby. See, without silver and gold, as long as I got Jesus, I can make it. But you can have silver and gold apart from Christ, and you will not make it. <laughs> See, we've got to understand that. We've got to acknowledge the fact Jesus is you and you alone. I'd rather have you, Lord, than all the gold in Fort Knox. 
I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. All this materialistic stuff, what we fail to realize is it's temporal. It's temporal. Mm-mm. And even this old flesh here, huh, it's going back. What they say? Bite the dust. <laughs> it's going back to the dust. So don't try to beautify all this up. Beautify up what's on the inside. Because sooner or later, we all got to bite the dust. We all come from dust. But the thing that God wants us to take away today, the thing that God wants us to take away today is can you still praise him in the midst of your losses? Time will tell. It'll tell. See you come in here with your head dropped down, dragging. Mm. What's wrong? Well, you know, uh-uh, uh-uh. God is sending the word. We're about to enter into a lost season. And it won't be that you didn't know because God speaks. And the main thing is, can you still praise God in your lost season? And loss is not just a materialistic thing. Lost can be people, too. But can you still praise God? See, a lot of people lost people during the time of COVID. And some of us haven't even experienced that kind of lostness. And some of us have. But can you still praise him during those seasons of loss? Going to be tested. Going to be tried. Then everybody will see whether we're authentic or not. And I'll praise to God. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for his word. Amen. 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 We thank and praise God. I have no idea what time.